gather around. Come on, come on, come and sit around. I'd like to tell you a little story. I've got a birth story for you today. Once upon a time, there was a woman walking around in a grocery store. She was just shopping for some fresh produce. Towards the end of her pregnancy, she walked by the fresh peaches and she picked them up and she gave them a nice sniff. Ah, those peaches smell delicious. Some nice little peach fuzz on them. Just peachy, huh? Just peachy. And all of a sudden, oh no, what is this feeling? She reached down, lifted up her dress a bit. Thank goodness she was wearing a dress. And all of a sudden, guess what happened? A baby fell out of her body. Uh Uh-huh. That's right. A baby right there on the cold, hard supermarket floor. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about pain. That's right, because you're listening to Pushing It, where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth, and life with a new baby. Because if you can't laugh about peeing yourself, you might as well laugh at yourself while doing it. I'm Elise McAllister. And I'm Jen Laird. I'm back. You're back. Yes, I'm not letting the uterus take up permanent possession of my mic. Thanks for joining us again, Jen. Thanks. Yes. Hey, I want to tell you the rest of that story. Yes, please. How did that woman let a baby just fall out on the grocery store? Uh, because she didn't know she was having contractions because pain signals didn't go from her hardworking uterus up into her brain. Yeah. Speaking of the, our guest star, the uterus last Uh, week. Huh? Yeah. So that woman who just wanted to buy a couple of fresh peaches, guess what happened? Her baby fell on the the supermarket floor. Exactly. All because she didn't feel her contractions. So we're going to talk about pain and why it's really, really necessary this week and what you can do about it and how you can rock it or you can make some choices about it. And how you can do all those things. Speaking of pain, you may or may not, because we don't record in a completely soundproof room, you might have heard that ambulance just go by. So there might be somebody in pain near us, actually, right now. Speaking of ambulances and pain, um, let's talk about the difference between me walking out on the street in front of a car and getting hit and that pain and... Uh, the difference between that pain and childbirth pain. Fresh peaches. Wait, no. Fresh peaches. She was what? just trying to. <laughs> she was just trying to buy peaches, Jen. Oh, okay. There we go. Okay, so the story goes: this person was walking across the street to the farmers market to buy fresh peaches, no, and she they got were run clearly, over. Clearly, no. The person in the supermarket. Oh, okay. Never I'm mind. lost. Backtrack, I'm backtrack, lost. Backtrack, I'm backtrack. lost. Let's anyway. So um, here's where we can start to embrace the idea that the pain signals that are being sent to our brains can actually be helpful for us. That's kind of what Elise was trying to illustrate in her story. Imagine if folks who had grown babies and were about to have them didn't have any signal in their body to their brain to say, hey, get ready for this. This is something that's going to start happening. A baby is going to come. 
So maybe go to the place where you want to be in labor and birth your baby. Maybe have the people that you want to be there invited to that place and get ready for this event. Yeah, because our friend Peaches, she didn't have anybody there with her that was going to help her have her baby. She didn't have her partner, and we're going to make an assumption she had a, has a partner. Um, so she was all alone. Thank God she was in a dress because um, it's really awkward to have a baby in your Lululemons. And, uh, oh, yeah. I get it now. Our, our, the, the name of the person having the baby was Peaches? She was also shopping for Peaches. Oh, I Jen. <laughs> Jen is feeling a little slow today. I'm like, where is my coffee? <laughs> when Peaches was buying Peaches, she had a baby with Peach Fuzz on her head. Oh, that's I cute. Know. There's a whole lot of peachiness happening so, so right now. Have you been eating a lot of Peaches lately, Elise? Is that it? Okay, so Peaches probably didn't have a car seat. Peaches didn't want to have a baby in her Lululemons. Yep. Or buy the lemons. <laughs> Either one. <laughs> so true. Right? Peaches may have wanted an epidural. That uh, wasn't going to happen. Although she didn't have anything. That, no, so she didn't just, need an epidural. Exactly. But, you know, there, there, she may have wanted somebody there who was going to cut the umbilical cord even. And she may not have wanted to have done it in public. Right. Peaches Kiss. might have been all about the modesty. Exactly. And the supermarket. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. So... Pain is not always so bad. In fact... Oh, hold on, Elise. Oh, Jen, what is it? I'm raising my hand. Um, Always. I think that we also need to address um, a thought that's out there in the childbirth community. So some folks would say to call the sensations that we have in labor pain is not good. Meaning that we, their meaning is that um, to call something that your body is naturally doing pain takes away, um, it unempowers you, um, I think. Yeah, or that, you know, it just, pain can be a harsh word. So it might not make you feel as strong. So let's call it something like a sensation or something else that feels. So we're sending loving. Love and kisses to those folks. We're like, this is an inclusive space. Yes. If that's if that resonates with you, that's awesome. Right. Because um, we're always you do you. So yes. if you don't like the word pain. But you and I like to be a little bit we're, of the rebels here. We like to yeah. call. We like to use the P word. Let's call it what it is. It's pain. And here's what I know two things about birth. Um, I know it's going to hurt. And mm-hmm. I know that if you want to feel that pain, you can do it. And um, I think for me, the word pain um, is helpful when a big sensation is happening in my body. It's okay for me as an individual to call it pain. The, the thing that has been helpful for me, though, is this idea that there are two different types of pain. That there is the pain like we were talking about getting run over um, by a car. That yeah. is one type of pain. And the, the work that my body's doing to bring me a baby, meaning my uterus is working hard and I'm experiencing pain, meaning my body is, um, okay, I just said this, but when my body is working hard, my I am pre-programmed for that link between discomfort in one part of my body and my brain. And my brain goes, uh-oh, something's going on here. And then to pay attention to that. 
the 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 thing that I resonate with though is this idea that um, pain in childbirth is different than other types of pain which we're supposed to get away pay attention to potentially get help for or look at this as an indicator of non-health okay so they're two very opposite things one is my body's doing the work that it's made to do with contracting of my uterus, a muscle that's working super hard, a cervix that is opening, and a baby descending into a part of my body that is pretty narrow. You can understand how some of that might feel uncomfortable or painful. Okay. The difference though here is that when I, another type of pain, let's go with a putting your hand on a hot stove. Immediately my hand goes back because my brain has split second, got this, this message, get your hand away from that. It is self-preservation. It is a quick action. And then it is dealing with the aftermath of that. So if you take it to the extreme, if I don't have pain sensors in my hand, for instance, I'm touching a hot stove, all of a sudden I look down and my hand starts melting. I mean, kind of graphic. But uh, another thought would be like, oh yeah, I do see it. I pull it away. But eventually I could actually have an infection grow in that and that's not a good thing. So in some instances, we can actually look at pain as being a self-preserving way that humans live right because you you can't just stay with your hand on the stove no but this is really different than that and I think I think something that's really helpful is to actually look at a little acronym that we have for pain and to help break it down Ooh, um, I love acronyms um, um there is something you all should know is that people in the birth world we love a good oh, yeah. acronym I don't know if I've ever shared the taco acronym on the show it's not the day it's not, it's not the day, but the taco one might be my favorite, and yeah. it has to be recorded on a Tuesday, because it's Taco Tuesday, Ooh. right? And maybe we'll eat tacos while we do it. But anyways, this Ooh, is a crunchy. pain acronym. Today. Okay, pain. Bring um, us. And this isn't mine. This isn't yours. It actually came from the International Journal of Childbirth. Um, they came Shout up out. This. Whoop, whoop. Um, so it's just the word pain, and it's a, a breakdown of what it means. So the P is for purposeful, and mm-hmm. and it is purposeful. And I think this goes back to yep. what you're talking about. You know, um, in that burn on the hot stove, there's a purpose behind that pain. It's to yep. get your hand away. For Peaches, it was she needed that to say, hey, get out of the grocery store and head to where you need to go to have this baby, whether that's home or the hospital. Get the people that you need to have around you, around you. Make yeah. sure you have a car seat and uh, the things that you need to have. Um, really, there's not a whole lot. I'm like, yeah. what do you need there's to have? There's not a, a lot, but essentially. There's really not a lot, but yeah. like, make sure you have what you need to have. If you need to have your doula or your best friend or, um, you know, your pedicure first, whatever that is. And if you've listened to our show long enough, you know that that's not an immediate, oh my gosh, I just had a contraction, therefore I'm about to have a baby. Oh um, no. We know that that's not immediate, but what we're trying to illustrate with this is that there is a timeline, right? That your body's starting to say, hey, something's happening here. Um, and, you know, the buildup for that. Peaches has time to change out of her Lululemons and put her lemons back, or even buy her lemons, <laughs> head home, make some lemonade. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it's so oh, summery. This I know. Bowl. You gotta eat a little fruit salad after I the show. I sure think so. My goodness. <laughs> so, 
it's purposeful. There's some yes. purpose behind this paint because babies can't just go falling out, bonking their heads nope. wherever. I That's mean, mean, the supermarket floor might be one of your cleaner places to drop a baby, but man, it could be awkward. You're you're like driving on the freeway and a baby falls out. You could really cause a serious accident. I have seen those YouTube videos. Well, hopefully they're not driving. They're at least in the passenger. They're in the passenger seat, seat right? Yeah, you don't yeah. want to be in the driver's yeah. seat. But you can imagine if babies just fell out wherever, you'd really change your whole entire life around that. And I know everyone's got some story of a friend who's had 8 million kids and their babies just start falling out. Yeah. Babies don't literally fall out. It still takes a little bit of time. They still have the, the you know. There's a little warm up. Yeah. Um, all right. The A is for anticipated. And here's the deal. If you are not anticipating some pain with your labor, you should start to. Um, I'm here to tell you now, there will be a little bit of pain. So this is the difference between... Or a lot of it. Or a lot of that pain. Depends. Right. So here's the difference between that hot stove that Jen put her hand on and the pain that you might experience in labor is that Jen wasn't going... She wasn't planning to put her hand oh, on the hot stove. Shock. Oh my goodness, there is nothing worse than getting up at night or in the dark and stubbing your toe. Why are nighttime toe stubs way worse than daytime toe stubs? Because you didn't know what was coming. I mean, honestly, you never know any toe stub is coming because you would never (laughs) stub your toe. Okay, bad example at least. But you get where I'm going with this. We get it, we get it. Yeah, so when you don't know it's coming, it hurts so much worse. True. There. We sign up for a lot of anticipated pain in our lives. That okay. is true. Jen, I got a tattoo. Way more than me. Oh yeah, we Jen and I've got a lot of tattoos here in this. But room. you get endorphins after that. Well, during it, labor, I labor. Mean. I get a yeah. lot of endorphins for my tattoos. I got to be honest. Oh. Most of them are really. I get it. I get the tattoos because I really like the oh kind my of gosh. The high I get from really? them. Oh, oh yeah, I feel okay. great afterwards. That's why I get them on my birthdays. Um, yeah. Okay, wait, what was your example? Oh, that I work out. Yeah, so Jen gets a lot of, um, she loves to exercise. So she signs up for that pain from exercising. Isn't that ridiculous? It is. But man, those endorphins are such an amazing payoff. Yeah, so she loves to exercise. Um, There are people who climb Mount Everest, and they know it is going to hurt like hell. You're cling- uh, do they not climb? Yeah, no, don't don't use Mount Everest. I think that's a little weird. Oh. Because that's a long journey. That's months. Well, like, okay, but they're still doing Rainier, it. maybe. Okay, well, we have Mount Rainier here in Washington. <laughs> Smaller mountain. <laughs> go big or go home, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. I just wanted it to be something everybody knew. Okay, okay, all right. So people climb mountains. And I don't think there's a mountain you can climb without feeling a bit sore afterwards or even running a marathon. People are going to generally feel some pain while they're running a marathon. Like Mm. you're going to feel tired. You might even feel a little achy. And either way, you knew it was going to be hard work and you still signed up for it, right? That's very true. Can I illustrate this? Yes, you can. So um, we had a client who um, we talked about one of the hardest things she's ever done was to climb a particular mountain. Not Everest. Range thing. And yet how beautiful it was. Like she's like, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I get goosebumps telling this story. Um, is it? But then um, once I actually got there... I was so happy 
about doing it for pushing myself and the the scene from up there was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and so actually during her labor I talked about I mean not at length but I reminded her of the name of that mountain and she's like that's the way I can see this I'm doing it and um that she was reminded of a time in her life where she'd had pain like her body hurt and it was yeah. also a mental thing it wasn't just in her, her body but it was in her mind I don't know if I can do this how do I keep going and then at the end recognizing gosh that was worth it and I could do it um so we're not addressing here unmedicated or medicated births no. or anything of that we're just talking about the idea that this is pain anticipating it and knowing that there's going to be some endorphins along the way as well mm-hmm. and you don't get endorphins when you touch hot stoves no 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 different kind or of pain studs day so or night okay so that we got p and a what's our i it's intermittent Ooh. oh here's the deal i think a lot of people don't know this about contractions but it's a squeeze and then a release and a mm-hmm. squeeze and a release. And if you could all see a whiteboard that I don't have in front of me, okay, I draw you a little picture of a contraction going up from you know zero to a peak, an increase, a peak, and then a decrease, and kind of like break. a wave. Imagine like a wave. wave, which is why a lot of people call contractions waves. So each contraction will have an increase, a peak, and a decrease. And sometimes those breaks don't feel very restful, but there are breaks in between every contraction. Mm. They might feel very close together. You may feel some pressure in between them the further you get in your labor. They might start to feel kind of what we call on top of each other. Yeah. But there is, in fact, this wave pattern to contractions. It is not an increase and then sustained pain or contraction, one uterine squeeze for many hours. And that is pretty awesome. Um, I was at a birth the other day, and she just kept saying, I could do anything for one minute. Mm. And one minute's pretty typical for the length of a contraction when you're active. And I thought that was such a great mantra. You can do anything for a minute. Right? I actually use when I'm working out and I um, I take a class where I have to run really fast. And sometimes it's 30 seconds and sometimes it's a minute. And I can run a lot faster for 30 seconds than I can for a minute. But I'm often reminded and it actually helps me stay really kind of grounded to my work professionally as a doula because I have to tell myself I can do anything for one minute because most of this is actually in my head in my brain can I you know can I do this and then I keep going yep absolutely There's okay so intermittent much- it's yep. not constant right and then the n I love the n it's normal oh what do I mean by that so when Jen puts her hand on a hot stove that is alarm sounds that is help 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 Get your hand off the stove right now. Otherwise, you're going to get an infection. This is, you know, your skin's coming off. That exposes your body to a lot and puts you at risk for infection. This is not good. This is this is danger, right? If you right. fall and you break your arm, it is a help, help. This needs to be reset, potentially. In labor, this is a normal sensation. It is not a 
help, help, this is an emergency. This is a, this is the feelings that are felt in a body that brings your baby out. And that's a different sensation. Hmm. Very yeah. true. I like that. I, I think this idea of normal is, um, to, it can feel very isolating to feel discomfort in your body, especially in labor. Yeah. And I know reflecting back on my own births to have someone be like, this is normal. This is all really normal because my personality type, I can get stuck in my head. I'm like, "Uh Oh, what's wrong? Oh no. Should I be feeling that? Is that bad? Whereas if I could explain what I'm feeling and then have somebody say, this is normal with my personality, that actually keeps me going like, Oh, okay. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. This is actually a normal part of this. Um, I can totally equate that as well to, um, I broke my, wrist a few years ago I had a surgery and then afterwards I was getting really annoyed by my lack of of movement and mobility in my wrist and then um I had to do some PT just to get back that movement in my wrist and I'm like oh why am I not you know this is like 10 days post-surgery why can't I move my hand the way I could and um my um PT said um, have you seen your x-rays? I'm like, no. Like after they had put in the hardware to keep my bones together. And then they pulled that out and I was like, oh, okay, this makes a lot more sense to me. So to normalize for me to know, oh, I had a lot going on in there and I had some changes and my bones have to heal. And wow, they just put a lot of pins and screws and needles in there, not needles, but screws to keep my bones together. It's normal that I would be feeling this discomfort and it's normal for this to take some time. And I feel like those two things, time and um what was the other thing? Normal to take time and for it to be uncomfortable. Um, it's the same way in childbirth. So you're normal to experience discomfort, a.k.a. pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think due to the limits of how long we want to make this podcast, we're not going to go into the specifics of pain management today um, as far as like medications and all of that. We're going to talk a little bit more, though, about um, pain versus suffering. Um, But we'll do another podcast on like, hey, what are my options for helping manage pain? Yeah. So I think it's really important, though, to recognize that we believe for sure that if you choose to do unmedicated or for some who choose to use some pain medication, sometimes there's still quite a bit of discomfort or pain, um, which can be a bit surprising but it's there's generally not an easy way to get a baby out of a body it takes some work both or you know emotionally physically in all of those ways so i think we want to acknowledge that even with pain management it can sometimes be a bit challenging to bring a baby out whether that's emotionally or physically that that is hard to birth a baby so we know that there's going to be some pain and hard work, but what we don't want is suffering. Absolutely. So, hmm, really hard to pinpoint the difference between pain and suffering, except to say, I know what it looks like. And you will know what it feels like if you're in it. And actually, I don't think we get to pinpoint it. I think you get to pinpoint that. This is a... This is something you get to call. Yeah. So what we're trying to say is we normalize pain and we don't normalize suffering. Right. 
Because so, we want birth to be empowering, and suffering isn't empowering. No. So we want you to walk away from your birth feeling like, wow, I am amazing. And, you know, here, here are some things that make you amazing during birth. Working through pain and seeing how strong you are. Yep. And, or, making a choice to say, I'm not going to suffer. I'm going to make a choice to not be in suffering anymore mm. and get out of pain. Yeah. And it's in this topic, I think we have um, a lot of differences in pain tolerance. So we've already established that Jen works out um, and Elise doesn't as currently. Much. <laughs> currently. OK. Um, not judgmental space to say I probably do that more than she does. OK. Yeah. So I am frequently pushing myself to a limit of uncomfortability, a.k.a. pain-ish with endorphins uh, as a nice byproduct. So if we were to compare birth stories, which we don't because bodies are different, the people we birthed are different, all of that, right? There's too many variabilities for you to compare birth. But what I could like look at is the decisions that Elise made about um, her pain medication options and the decisions that I made. And there are differences there. And we can share those. I mean, we have shared those on other yeah. episodes. So. so if you hear my story of like, hey, she works out and pushes herself, and then you hear Elise, um, and sometimes on this podcast we talk about like, Elise will talk about this is the worst cold I've ever had in my whole life. I'm a bit of a baby. I, I would generally say that I have very little pain tolerance. Except? I had both kids unmedicated at home. Yeah. I would say that I um, I don't generally complain about discomfort in my body until I start like yelling at people or like really being angry with my family <laughs> or the times that I have hurt myself and like when I broke my wrist, for instance, when I was at home and my kids were around, they were like, something is really wrong with mom <laughs> uh-huh. because I was crying. I was, you know. Anyway, they could tell, right, that I was in pain and that something was wrong. And whether or not I reflect back to some of my choices in childbirth with, like, who I was at the time, um, my understanding of the process, and my lack of confidence um, in knowing what the process was really going to be like and the support that I had, probably would have made some different decisions, but it, it doesn't matter what I'm, and I don't regret any of my decisions, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is that I made decisions in childbirth about having pain medication, even though from the outside, you'd be like, yeah, Jen has a pretty high pain tolerance. So that's a non-judgmental space, but I think it's nice to kind of look at that, that um, some folks that we've um, been to their births, they're, they're disappointed in themselves. Like, wait, I'm a marathon runner. Of course I'm going to have an unmedicated, just easy birth, right? And I, I don't know that we can make that assumption. I'm not saying this out of fear or to instill fear in anyone, but rather there's a lot more variables to childbirth and we have to be careful about sticking judgment on the decisions that we make. Yes, and there, it's so much more complex than how strong you are, right? I also oh had babies that were, I mean, certainly my first baby, 
was in a really good position and mm-hmm. came fairly quickly. And yep. that, that really made, the difference. Yeah, made a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Had I had a very different birth story, I might have had a different pain management story. Exactly. Um, so something I'm noticing the whole time that you're telling these two stories, Jen, yeah, yeah. you kept saying um, unmedicated and I think probably a lot of our listeners oh. are thinking about, like, why are you not using the term natural birth? Oh, why? So can we just... Oh, you're going to you're gonna talk about that on this one, too? Yeah, Whoa. why are... Like, so... Bringing it. When we're talking about pain, who's having a natural birth? Well, here's our take on that. Yeah. This is... And we own it. We proudly own our take on this. Can we our just opinion. say who has a natural birth? Who has a natural birth? Everybody. Everybody. Well, robots don't. Well, but they also don't have babies, so there's yeah, that's that. That's true. Um, the reason we say um, that we like to use the term medicated and unmedicated is that it puts kind of a um, stereotype on something that natural has become the best way to do it. So when you look at a cereal and you're going to buy that, when it says no artificial anything, all natural, that connotates that it's a good thing, right? That's kind of how our society has changed. So when we say you have a natural birth or an unnatural birth, it kind of is making a stereotype in our opinion that you did something not best, Artificial or robot-like. Yeah, so would you buy a product? Does anyone um, in a, a, try to advertise their product as unnatural? No. <laughs> Wonderful, unnatural uh, cereal. No. No, no. They would, say, they would try to talk about how it's natural. So what? it's a cultural perspective here of mm. natural is better, and we don't like to put that that subtle or maybe obvious to other people stereotype on you had a better birth by having a natural birth. And usually what people are um, talking about is a medicated or unmedicated birth. I mean, and it, and I think it even goes as far as people talking about, you know, oh, did you have a C-section? And now I'm going way out there. But I think a lot of times people say, oh, yeah, I had a C-section. And when I know their story, I'm like, whoa, you did. But can we please talk about yeah. the the many hours of your labor that led up to that? Your many hours of induction, many hours unmedicated, your... many hours medicated, all the choices that you made. The babies the... whose heart rate was not tolerating um, birth yep. in way a way that would choices, be safe. The way that you made choices that deviated from what you really wanted because yeah. you gave up what you wanted to safely bring your baby out in the world, which is, if that isn't being a, a parent, I don't know what is. We are all about changing unnecessary C-sections um, because we all know from a health perspective, oh, for sure. having a C-section is not without risk, right? They're an inherent risk to both mother and baby through cesareans. Yes. Let's and not so have unnecessary ones. there is lots of initiatives out there to help reduce the amount of primary C-sections in folks. Um, and... 
we also recognize that C-sections are the safest ways for some babies to come into this world. So let's not make those who've worked really hard to not have a C-section and ultimately had one. Yeah. Let's not make it sound like they made a very simplistic choice to have yep. an e- easy, and I'm air quoting, C-section, because there's also nothing easy about a C-section. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. No. So now you've gotten a little bit of a perspective on um, Jen and Elise's take on the word natural versus unmedicated or medicated. Yeah. Those those are not terms that we want to stereotype, but we want to bring some understanding and openness to um, people's choices for using medication or not. But using the word natural in our perspective is not an inclusive, it's much more of a judgmental word to use. Yep. And I think there's so much more than pain tolerance that you need to bring into it when you're thinking about your choices for, yeah. or for pain medication. And I think one of the things to take into it, um, you know, you might consider your pain tolerance, but certainly yeah. had I done that, I wouldn't have had the births. That exactly. I had. That's um, so true, Elise. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but I think something that's really important, and you kind of touched on this a bit, Jen, is your anxiety yeah, and your concerns. And yeah. certainly you don't have to work yeah. through all those fears. We've got an episode about fear and trust. Right. But thinking about how do you set yourself up to be supported through those fears and maybe not having pain medication would be helpful for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I think also um, we need to recognize that pain is also, it's happening in our brain. Pain is interpreted by our brains. Yes, it is. So it is telling us something, and we also have the power. It's like me having the power to say, man, today has been a terrible day. It is raining, and here's all the things that happened. Well, I still have the power in that to go, okay, I recognize these are some difficult things that are happening, and here's a choice that I can make to maybe um, not get stuck in a negative thought pattern. There's power there. Whereas with pain, I can make a choice to go, yep, my body's working really hard, and this is a different pain than I've ever experienced in my life, and people around me are telling me it's normal and that I'm okay. Yes. That is a way different than I'm touching the hot stove. I got to make change. Exactly. And I think also remembering that this is the kind of change that you need to actually soften right into. Yes. Yep. So this is not the kind of pain that we want to tighten up and move away from. And Absolutely. this is really, really different. So these are things. Now we're talking practical things. Here we're getting practical. We're bringing it home. So how do you do this? You need to you need to practice some of these things um, in your pregnancy, but when you're in labor, moving into the pain, and this is where it's different because if Jen's putting her hand on the hot stove and she's like, ah, this really hurts, she's not gonna say, you know, it's gonna make this burning hand better. Taking a nice deep breath and sinking right into this hot burner. <laughs> No. No, Jen? That's a terrible idea. (laughs) Jeez, Jen, you always have the worst ideas. (laughs) But you, friends, 
when you're in labor and you are feeling it, um, I used to do this little exercise with my childbirth classes and, you know, um, I won't do this for you because that would just be mean over a, a microphone. Is it loud? Speakers. Yeah, it's super Are you going to yell? Um, I did for my classes. Yeah, well, I not... would make them do it, but this is something you could do at home. Sure. But I want you to do this in your seats right now. Um, so if you're not driving, you can close your eyes, but otherwise just keep them open. But I want you to first just tighten everything. So tighten your fists, bring your, you know, um, if you want to scream, scream really high pitch, like, okay, high pitch. And you're going to probably feel your butt squeeze together a whole bunch. Like mine immediately goes there. My toes curl under. I feel my, I'm like kegeling. Yeah. And I'm not thinking about kegeling. No. I mean, everything's just like right up to the ceiling. That, that's not the direction we want your baby to go. You are not going to birth this baby out of your mouth. That is not one of our options. Nope. So we don't want to go high. We want, we want to keep our voice low. We want to keep our energy low. We want to keep everything soft. So instead, what we want to do is keep everything loose. So instead, shake all that off. And then make a nice low sound like, oh, and oh. see if you can let everything kind of just hang and wiggle down into your seat. Let it be nice and soft. Um, and you'll see the big difference. So if you're feeling some tightness and some pressure and some pain and you're nice and soft, you're going to f- let that pressure be there. And I often say to people, take your breath and move it down into that pressure or that tightness or that pain, yeah. whatever sensation you're feeling. And just imagining or visualizing that that breath moving down there it can be a bit of a distraction that can be helpful to, to distract you from having everything tighten up and you can help let everything go. Because we spend a whole lot of our lives walking around really tight. Like as soon as I finish that exercise. Yeah, you put your shoulders up. My shoulders up. are super high again. Yeah. Um, because we're busy. We don't have, we don't have time to let everything just hang and dangle. Yeah. 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 So another practice here is with maybe pain that you might experience during pregnancy, that if you just remind yourself, okay, stay soft. Because even when you're having muscle pain, I remember waking up with the worst calf pain. pain. Um, how, how can you, rather than making that tight, try to think about breathing into it and loosening up. And that is something that you can be both recognizing in your brain as well as practicing throughout your pregnancy so that when you do experience uterine discomfort in contractions, then um, this isn't a new concept to you. I love it. I love that. Um, Okay, so, you know, here you are, you're getting calf pains at night, you're feeling really sleepy, labor starts, and you're exhausted. I think a lot of times I hear people in labor say, there's no way I'm going to have enough energy for pushing. Mm. I feel so tired. One of the things I want you to keep in mind when you're in labor is that everybody feels tired. That is part of the whole design. It's, it also comes with the endorphins. Mm-hmm. Um, they do give you energy, but it also makes you feel kind of sleepy. We call uh, endorphins nature's opiates because it allows you to feel good a little and then you can fall asleep in between contractions. It is not abnormal for us to see somebody working hard. We hear this nice, oh, oh, and then the contraction comes to the end, and then, yep. There's my little 
Sadness. Nice. Yeah. I liked I, it. I'm all into theater this week. You are. I know. I should win a Oscar. Yeah. Emmy. Golden no. Globe. I don't know. I don't know one of those. Something. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, <laughs> um, so know that yes, you're gonna feel tired, and that you're gonna get some adrenaline. Yep. Right before you push. Adrenaline is your friend. Yep. And it's not during most of labor because, you know, adrenaline is fight or, fight or flight and that is punching and running and we don't want anyone punching and running during labor. <laughs> don't punch your doula. There's your PSA of the week. Don't OB. punch the doula. <laughs> or anyone else for that matter. It's always a bad idea to punch people um, in labor in general. Okay, so. <laughs> general life. General life thoughts. Don't punch people. There you go. There's your bonus uh, uh, tidbit for your week. Um, So you get a little adrenaline right before you start pushing. And that adrenaline also passes to the baby, which gives your baby a little extra push to wake up and take their first breath at birth. But that adrenaline is going to pep you up. And most people really like to push. So it gives Mm -hmm. them some energy too. The pain that you're feeling during Active labor is often very different than the pain that you're feeling during pushing, too. Definitely. So I want to say, we're talking about two very different experiences. All right. Okay. Can you talk about moving your body during um, pregnancy a bit so that you can prepare for this so that nobody's freaking out? When yeah, this let's, all let's, let's talk about that. And then I think we're going to wrap things up. So let's talk about moving our bodies. Um, I like the idea of muscle memory. So um, your body is changing, obviously, as you grow a baby inside of you. You're like, duh, Jed, I am the one growing the baby. And yes, my body is changing. Okay. So things also shift, like our center of gravity and um, potentially where we might have felt strong physically with um, carrying a baby in the way that we are might make us feel less strong in our body for some of us. Um, So I would like you to think about getting your heart rate up at least a couple of times a week, unless, you know, you're supposed to be on bed rest or something like that. Um, And what I'm trying to instill here is muscle memory. So if my body works hard while I'm growing a baby, then when I'm in labor, when I know that my body will be working both physically hard and mentally hard, I'm not going to start freaking out in my brain going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't breathe deep enough. I've never worked this hard. This is hard. Ah, I can't move around. I can't stand up. Oh no. So muscle memory then will kind of take in and go, I am not freaking out in my brain because my body has worked hard when it's been in this shape and size and experience um, and feel good about that confidence being there right? And it's, we've talked about pain being that mind-body connection as well. And so this will instill more of that. um, And you won't have to practice being as like, I'm okay, I'm okay. If your body has experienced some of those, you just getting your heart rate up um, throughout pregnancy. Yeah. So there's some practical things that you can do ahead of time. And then I know Jen said, we aren't going to go there and talk about your options. And I kind of don't want to, but here's the deal. Everybody's got a little bit of a variety of options. Yep. Depending on where you're at. And if you are listening to us and you're kind of giving the big middle finger to us as we're like, hey, you know, um, you can experience this pain if you want to. And you're like, no way. I don't want to feel it. 
and you know this for sure, or you're feeling a little on the fence, I want you to talk to your provider about your options. Find out what they are at your hospital and start to do your research on it. Um, I think one of the things that we really love is when somebody goes into their birth with flexibility. Yep. And I'm saying that as somebody who chose to birth in a location that did not offer any pain medication options, right? I don't, I don't carry epidurals in my house. Um, but I knew that I could transfer if I needed that. So even if you're out of hospital, knowing that there's that, yeah. I knew that, hey, I'm home. And if I've got, you know, for me, I have this fear of back labor. Hmm. So I knew if I had back labor or if it took X amount of hours, I could always go to the hospital and get an epidural. I was, I was totally cool with that. And I wasn't going to feel shame. So I think doing a little work for yourself around, okay, where is my, where's my tipping point? Where is my spot where I'm, I'm going to raise the, I don't want to say the white flag because no. it's not surrendering. No, it's but where do I say like, here, different option. here's where I, here's where I call a timeout and I say this, this plan is changing. Yep. And for some it's a, I want an unmedicated birth no matter what, unless it's a cesarean. And for others, it's a, I want an epidural before I'm one centimeter. And both of those are pretty unrealistic to some degree. So how do you become slightly more flexible on that? How do you get a little bit more into your labor before you have an epidural? How do you look at other possible scenarios if you need to have an epidural? you know, what does that look like? If you find yourself into a place not coping well and you realize, you know what, I actually, I am suffering. Um, what's that line for you? And how, how do you recover and forgive yourself? Like, are you going to have compassion for yourself? Yeah. So doing a little homework this week and thinking about that, um, yeah. we would love so much to continue this conversation with you this week um, on social media you can find us on Instagram Pushing It Podcast and on Facebook the same Pushing It Podcast Um, so check us out there tell us what you're thinking and if you've got a baby on the outside tell us how you got your baby out we love some birth stories. Baby pictures. Oh, right? Can we please see your cute babies? Yeah. We all need a little more oxytocin in our life, Absolutely. right? If I can't get free snips of babies' heads, I need at least cute baby pictures. True. Wouldn't it be great if you could just smell a newborn Bottle baby's head that's... through? Oh, I love that smell. I know. It's the best, yes. right? All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And um, we look forward to hearing from you soon. Bye. Bye.